Now, since we live in the world and it's a fallen world, and though we're saved, we still live in a house of flesh. How many of you are very aware of your house of flesh? Amen. Have you gone down the buffet line lately? Um, and you come to that favorite part where it's all the pies. Now, to me, the downfall is the chocolate cream. When I see the chocolate cream pie, I think that I hear God every time. Right? Um, you deserve a slice today. But here's the deal. Because we live in a house of flesh and in a fallen world, we also live in a world of conflict. And we are living in a world of major increasing escalating, accelerating conflict. Amen? Now, I would wager that virtually everybody in here today and those watching online, and we do welcome you to our online service, um, that this week you've been in some kind of conflict. You ran into some kind of conflict at work or at home or in your marriage. Uh, Somewhere, somewhere along the way, you experience conflict. And because of the days we're living in, I want to begin a series today that I'm just going to call Killing Conflict. Killing Conflict. I'm so glad the Word of God deals with every problem in life. Amen? Every problem. So I want to go to the book of James in chapter 1, and we're going to read some of my favorite verses uh, out of James. Uh, Chapter 1, starting at verse 19. And James is going to give us some some incredible wisdom on how to kill or manage or navigate conflict. He said, understand this, my dear brothers. This is James 1, verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger, he tells us, does not produce the righteousness God desires. Nope. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. Now, what does the word planted in our heart have power to do? Save your soul. Now, he's not talking about your salvation going to heaven. He's talking about save your mind, your will, and your emotions. The word of God has the power to Control and save from destructive thoughts and words and emotions. It has the power to save you from destructive ones so that you are walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. The word of God has power to save your soul when it's planted in you. Amen. Lord, thank you for helping us to overcome conflict today, to get a handle on it. And I just pray that wisdom is imparted to the family of God, the church of God not just here, but those watching, and not just those watching, but those listening later on radio all over the country. I pray that, Lord, you will help us to kill conflict, to navigate it and to get through it and to get a grip on it where it does not destroy us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll turn to your neighbor and say, this is going to be good, I do believe. Amen. Now, again, if you're a human being, then you experience conflict in today's world. Now, conflict is defined as a serious disagreement or argument, typically a drawn-out one. Let me say that again. Conflict is a serious disagreement or argument, 
typically a drawn out one. All right, that's conflict. We think of words and we talk about conflict, we think of words like quarreling, disputes, yelling, knockdown, drag out fights. And I know Christians never do this, but I'm just saying it just to get it out there. Right? All right. Now, we're living in very trying days. Let me give you some examples of why they're trying. COVID, start right there. There's not a person in here who has not been affected uh, in a negative way by COVID one way or the other. You got it or somebody you know got it or you lost a job because of it or you're wondering about the vaccination. You know, what do I do? You're having to pray through it. There's questions because of it. COVID has affected every human being in America. Racial tensions, the lawlessness. Lawlessness has gripped our country like I have never seen in all of my life. And I've grown up in America. I've never seen the level of lawlessness that there is right now in the land of America from the top down. Uh, the added pressure of overseeing online teaching of children blocked from attending school. That has caused stress. That has caused trouble. That has caused conflict. And there's the attack on God's word and traditional morals and ways of viewing things. We're seeing an unprecedented attack on the way that God created uh, the, the, the universe and human beings. We're being told there's at least 100 genders now instead of two. Can I just give you some news today? There's two. Keep it simple. There's two. All right. But we have to put ourselves in the shoes of those that are out there in the culture and being bombarded with this stuff who don't have the word planted in their soul. They're being very confused. I mean, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and the cunning slight of men whereby they lie in wait to deceive, as Paul said in Ephesians. Speaking of Paul, Paul the apostle predicted about our day, the end times, the last days, preceding his return, the return of Jesus. Paul said, understand this. In the last days, dangerous times of great stress and trouble will come. Difficult days that will be hard to bear. Perilous times, stressful times, times that are hard to bear. I think of Lot. Peter tells us of Lot that he woke up every day vexed in his soul over the filthy conversation and actions of the people in his culture. Every day he was vexed. I understand that. I don't know about you, but I read the news and, and I, I'm aware of what's going on in our culture and there is so much happening that if you're a believer and the Holy Ghost lives inside of you, it's vexing, it's grieving what's happening. And it causes stress, great stress and trouble. We're in the world, but we're not of it, but we're still in it. And just because you're a believer doesn't mean you don't feel stress or experience trouble. And this is why we need to talk about conflict. Because this kind of stress and trouble contribute to and cause conflict. Homes are under attack. Marriages are under attack. Parent-child relationships are under attack. Relationships at work are under attack. People are on edge, if you haven't noticed. People are on edge and easily ruffled. If you wonder about that, get on I-35 for a while. 
because road rage has risen dramatically. And you, and you go, why would road rage be where it is now? Things happening, people being shot, pulled out of their cars, beat up because people are on edge. We're living in times of trouble and distress and stress. If you don't have Jesus, if you have no God, if your whole perspective is this way and there's no vertical perspective or relationship with God, it makes it 10 times harder. I don't know how people make it without the Lord. I really don't. Long-standing friendships have ended in a heap during this trying time period. Marriages are ending. One article reports that divorce applications and breakups are skyrocketing around the world. In England, one law firm logged a 122% increase in divorce inquiries between July and October compared with the same period just last year. Why is that? Because our whole world is feeling stress, and stress causes trouble, and trouble causes conflict. And people are not getting along. They're rubbing each other wrong. They have combustible tempers. We're on edge. We don't know how to handle all this. But I got good news for you today. The Bible tells us how to handle it. The Bible is not silent on trouble and stress. So what does the Bible say about handling conflict? How can Christians experience victory over conflict? At home, at work, with kids, with neighbors. How can you kill conflict before conflict kills you? Well, the Bible says the beginning of strife, and that's a disagreement, that's an argument, that's conflict. The beginning of strife is like letting out water as from a small break in a dam. First it trickles and then it gushes. Therefore, abandon the quarrel before it breaks out and tempers explode. Well, how in the world do you abandon it before tempers explode and it breaks out? How do you abandon it? How can you grab the conflict before it goes full-blown? How can you navigate it and get a grip on it and defuse it before it goes where it ought not go? Well, in our text, James gives us three simple words of instruction that I think are key to defusing a conflict. Here they are. I'm going to say them again. Be quick to listen. Everybody say quick to listen. Slow to answer. And slow to get angry. Slow to go off, right? Slow to blow your stack. Be slow. So we got one quick and two slows. Be quick to listen. But slow to speak and slow to blow your stack. One quick, two slows. Let's look at them. Let's unpack these one at a time because these are, these are just so important. Um, first, be quick to listen. Be quick to listen. Now, in the first chapter, and that's where we're getting this, it's verse 19 of chapter 1, James begins by addressing Christian people who are facing trials of many kinds, is what he describes it as in verse 2. Trials of many kinds. So you got a people here that are being attacked and experiencing stress and pressure from lots of different directions. And he encourages them in verses three and four to persevere and to allow perseverance or what I would call stick to to fully develop. 
You don't give up. You don't put up the white flag. You don't pick up your marbles and go home. You don't walk away from God, but you persevere through the trial. He tells them that if they lack wisdom in how to handle all the trouble, go to God and ask him for wisdom, and he will give it to you, and he will not fault you for asking him for wisdom. That's verse 5. In verse 12, he gives them an encouraging promise. He says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial and trouble and stress because having stood the test, that person is going to receive the crown of life the Lord has promised to those who love him. What a great promise. In verses 13 to 18, he lets them know in no uncertain terms, listen, when you're under temptation, you can know this for a fact is not from God. If it's temptation to sin, it is never from God. God tempts no man to sin. So that's in verses 13 to 18. And then verse 19, we come to our words of advice about conflict. So, so keep in mind now, he's got people that are being hit from every side. He's got people that are experiencing temptation in the flesh, and they're being tempted to blame God for the temptation. He's got people that are being tossed and tested and tried And so here's what he says to them in verse 19. He says, I want you to be quick to listen. I want you to be slow to answer. And I want you to be slow to get angry. Now this verse can be taken in two ways and commentators will comment on this verse in two ways. First of all, we are to be quick to listen to God. Slow to verbally respond to him in a wrong way. We're to be slow to become angry with what God allows. That's one way to interpret it. But there's another way, and this is the way I'm going today. In conflicts, we're to practice listening first. Be slow and careful in our verbal responses in the middle of a conflict. And be even slower in blowing your stack and getting angry, because once you get angry, it's over with. You're not going to solve anything, it's over with. So he says, in a time of conflict, listening is the first key to diffusing it. Be quick to listen. When you're in a conflict, here you got somebody you're conflicting with or a group of people. He says, the first key to it not going off in a direction that will solve nothing, the first key is be very quick to listen. Train yourself to listen first. Now he's telling me to do something that doesn't come natural to me. I'm verbal. Y'all look at me with these halos over your head like, well, I'm glad you are, not me. Hallelujah. I always listen first. Let me tell you something. You know what our natural response is in a conflict? Talk first, listen later. Talk first. He's telling us to do something that's not natural because I naturally want to go into lawyer mode and I'm in there to win that fight. Come on, everybody. I'm in there to win. I'm in there to win. I want to win the argument. I want to win the fight. But, but, but uh, and if you're not careful, that's what it becomes all about. And he says here, no, I want you to shut your mouth and listen first. See, in most conflicts, a disagreement escalates into a fight when we quit listening to each other. We quit listening. Now, now, now the word listen, when he says be quick to listen, he's not talking about just audibly hearing somebody. He's not just talking about hearing somebody's voice. But he's talking about Listening with the intent to understand. Listening with the intent to understand. You got a conflict now, it's brewing. It could go off. It, it, anger could blow. And you can go into a knockdown, drag out fight. So, how do you stop it from going there? 
Remember, you want to stop the dam from bursting. So how do you stop it from going there? First, you listen. And what you're listening for is what they're trying to tell you. What the other person is trying to say. What their issue truly is. You may think you know what it is, but a lot of times we think we know, but we don't really know. We got to listen. Listening with the intent to understand. Jesus often said to people, people, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, that doesn't make any sense. If my ear can hear, then what do I need to be told to hear for? Because he's saying it's easy to hear without hearing. It's easy to hear without listening. It's easy to hear without picking out the issue that the person is trying to communicate. It's easy to become so intent on winning the fight or defending ourselves that we quickly lose sight of what the disagreement was even about in the first place. You ever get into a, you ever get into a disagreement with somebody about one thing and by the time it was over and both tempers have exploded, you weren't even talking about what it originally began with because it escalated and you chased a hundred different rabbits and you look at each other and go, how'd this start? Well, I don't even remember how it started. Because I wasn't intent on listening, I was intent on speaking. I wanted to speak. So the listener's got to take a deep breath and try to hear the other person's message, their heart, what they're trying to say, what the real issue is. Be quick to listen. Amen, Pastor Jeff, this is good stuff. I'm going to get this tape. The story is told of a Native American and his friend who were in downtown New York City walking near Times Square in Manhattan. It was during the noon lunch hour, and the streets were filled with people. Cars were honking, their horns. I've been there. This is exactly what New York City was like. I don't know about now, but it was. Taxi cabs squealing around corners. Sirens were wailing, and the sounds of the city were almost deafening as the Native American and his friend walked down the street. Suddenly, the Native American said, I hear a cricket. His friend said, what? You gotta be crazy. Do you often hear crickets? Because I don't hear a cricket. You, You couldn't possibly hear a cricket in all this noise. No, I'm sure, but the Native American said, I heard a cricket. That's crazy, said the friend. The Native American listened carefully for a moment and then walked across the street to a big cement planter where some shrubs were growing. He looked into the bushes beneath the branches, and sure enough, there was a small cricket chirping away. His friend was utterly amazed. That's incredible. You must have superhuman ears. No, the Native American said. My ears are no different from yours. It all depends on what you're listening for. But that can't be, said the friend. I could never hear a cricket in this noise. Yes, you could. It's true. It depends on what is really important to you. Let me show you. He reached into his pocket, pulled out a few coins, threw them onto the crowded street. They went clanging onto the crowded street and every head within 20 feet turned around and looked to see where the money was. And the Native American said, see, it all depends on what's important to you as to what you hear. So in a conflict, everybody, we've got to work to hear the cricket. What's the cricket? The cricket is the real issue. The cricket is what is really uh, bothering 
somebody and causing the conflict or bothering both and causing the conflict. Because in a conflict, there's all kinds of noise, just like there was in New York City, all kinds of noise. But the Native American man was tuned into the cricket. He was able to pick the cricket out from all the noise. And in a conflict, in all the noise of the conflict, we've got to learn how to listen, be quick to listen, and look for the cricket. Finding the cricket is what we want. You're in a conflict. And here's words going back and forth. Accusations, counter-accusations. Tempers are rising. Um, Somebody is really upset. Uh, It's getting worse and worse. It's escalating. The dam's about to break. And you stop and you say, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. Because there's a lot of words coming out, but I'm going to listen to what the real issue is. And a lot of times, here's what you'll hear in most conflicts. It's either a fear or it's an, an offense that has happened And the person that is experiencing it doesn't know how to express it perfectly. They're all emotional. They don't know how to get it out. But if you listen carefully, you'll hear, I'm afraid of rejection. Or I'm afraid of not being valued. Or I'm offended because you didn't do this or that that you told me you would do. And I'm experiencing failed expectations. And I am really hurt by this. And and if you listen carefully amidst all the words, because most of the words that are being spoken are going to be the top of the weed, but you want the root of the weed because you can mow a weed down, but the weed comes right back unless you get the root and getting the root is finding the cricket. Come on, everybody. You got to listen very carefully. You got to listen to their heart and not just their words because they're, they're talking, they're communicating, but they don't know exactly how to say perfectly what needs to be said for us to get it. So we need to learn in a conflict, marital, with kids. I was counseling one time a family and man, accusations, accusations were flying. Now it wasn't recent and it wasn't in this church. So don't be looking around. But, but accusations and counter-accusations were flying back and forth, kids to parents, parents to kids, and it was getting really heated in there. And, and then all of a sudden, one of the kids said this, kind of blurted it out, didn't, didn't even really mean to do it strategically, just, just, it just came out and said to the dad, you're never here, you're never here. And, and, and the root of why I'm so bothered and there's so much conflict, the, the cricket for me, is you're never here. And when they said that, everything got real quiet because everybody knew the cricket had just jumped into the room. Are y'all following me now? See, Jesus was expert at this. He's talking to the woman at the well. She's full of conflict. Uh, She's full of conflict. She's conflicted about worship. You read it in John 4. She's conflicted about worship. Do we worship in this mountain? Where do we worship? Uh, I'm confused about worship. Jesus said, we know who we worship. She was conflicted racially. She said, what are you doing talking to me? What are you doing talking to me? You're a Jew, I'm a a Gentile, a Samaritan. What are you doing talking to me? She was racially conflicted, worship conflicted. There was conflict there. And, and, And Jesus heard the cricket. He said, I got some water I can give you. You'll never thirst again. Well, give me this water. And he said, all right go get your man. Go get your husband. Well, Lord, uh, I don't have a husband. He said, you're right. 
You've had five. And the one that you're shacking up with right now is not your husband. You know what he moved in on? The cricket. Because this woman was hurt. I've never found love. I've never found acceptance. I've gone from one man to the next. Life has been a bummer for me. One failed relationship after the next. And, and Jesus knew it. He's hearing all this stuff about worship, all this stuff about race. But that wasn't the cricket. The cricket was her pain. This is good stuff. I'm going to get this CD myself. I, I want you to know this is real. This is real, right? This is real. And, and, and that's when he really got her attention. And she jumped up, ran into the town, became the first New Testament evangelist. Come here, a man that told me everything I ever did. And she turned the whole town of Samaria upside down because Jesus addressed the cricket. Chirp, 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 chirp. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I'm rejected. I'm in pain. I'm bleeding. I'm tired of nothing working out with men. I'm tired of not being loved. A rich young ruler came up to him, or a rich young man. said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the rich young man said, I've kept all this from my youth up. But Jesus heard the cricket. And Jesus said, all right, go sell everything you have, and then come and follow me. And the young man, it says he hung his head and walked away. Why? Because his issue was his money. And he leaned on his money and he was hooked on his money. And his security was in his money, not in God. And he couldn't part with his money. And so Jesus was an expert at, at, at hearing the cricket, the real issue. The real issue. He knows what the real issue is with everybody in this room. He knows what your real issue is. He knows when there's a conflict, what's really driving it. He knows what the real problem is. And it's not so often, it's not what we're blabbering about, worship and, and race and all this. But no, it's something deeper. And Jesus said, you get to the cricket and you can defuse the conflict. I hear you. I hear you. Is what I'm hearing this? Yes. That's what I'm trying to say. Everybody say quick to hear. This is free. You'd pay hundreds of dollars of counseling for this. This is free. You'd be in a counselor for weeks on end just to understand some of this. This is marital counseling. This is job counseling. This is life counseling. Because rarely do we get to the cricket. You got to get to the cricket. Amen? Now, second, he says, once you've gotten to the, 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 cricket, the cricket, be slow to answer. Slow. Be slow to respond. Slow. Everybody say Slow. I don't like slow. Do you like slow? I do not like slow. I like, I mean, I've got one gear, overdrive. I do not like slow. I don't like it when God pulls the reins back on me because I want to go, 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 go. But sometimes you got to slow, 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 or you won't be able to go, 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 go. He says slow. Slow is from a Greek word meaning unhurried while still moving forward after considering all the facts. Say that again. Slow means unhurried while still moving forward after considering all the facts. So when you've listened and you think you're on to what the real issue is, then go slow. 
Don't be in a hurry to blurt something out once you think you understand what it is. Rather than pop off with hastily spoken words in the heat of emotion, we're to be unhurried and careful, choosing our words wisely after considering the facts. Got to be very careful how you respond because you know what's going on? You're in an operation. Now you've got the cricket. You know what's really bothering them, and you don't want to say something stupid that's going to ruin what you have just picked up on. Especially in marriage, at home, with a boss. One man writes, the ears are always open, ever ready to receive instruction, but the tongue is surrounded with a double row of teeth to hedge it in and to keep it within proper bounds. I like that. It's harder to, it's easier to listen. We don't have ear lids, but you can close your mouth. Amen? You gotta be careful what you say to people. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And we want to diffuse conflict, not to increase it. We wanna diffuse it. So how do you diffuse it where it's not, you're not going off and temper is exploding and it's a big bad argument that only erodes the relationship? James tells us about the tongue and its power. He says, so also the tongue is a small thing, but what enormous damage it can do. A great forest can be set on fire by one tiny spark and the tongue is a flame of fire, full of wickedness. It poisons every part of the body. And the tongue is set on fire by hell itself and can turn our whole lives into a blazing fire, flame of destruction and disaster. Did you hear that? The tongue is more lethal than a nuclear bomb because it's tongues, it's speech that releases nuclear bombs. So he says the tongue is set on fire by hell. Can that happen to believers? He's talking to believers, the 12 tribes scattered abroad. He's talking to believers, and he said, guess what? You can be saved as, as the day is long. But if you don't watch your words, they can be anointed by hell. They can be set on fire by hell. In the middle of a conflict, your, your words can be set on fire by hell. And once you say something, you can't get it back. It's like an email. You write an email, and you hit send. And as soon as you hit send, you regret that you hit send because you can't get it back. You can't get back what you say, good or bad. You can't get it back. So he says in the midst of a conflict, when, you, when you're down and you think you understand the cricket, what the issue is really about, he says, be very careful how you respond. Respond wisely so that hell doesn't anoint your tongue and put it on fire, which tends to happen when you get really mad. When you get really mad, you're not sitting there guarding your words, but they're flying out. And that's when hell sets our tongue on fire even if we're saved. So I suggest a couple of things. When you're in a conflict and you think you understand what the issue is, first, when you respond, don't use accusing words. Well, you, back in 1991, did this and this and this and this, and we pull out the file cabinet and we go historical. And when we go historical, we go hysterical. Well, you in 1995, well, I got a better one in 2001 on that particular day, you, and before you know it, you're going back and forth like two attorneys in a courtroom and you're not solving anything. So be careful with accusing words. Don't go historical. Sometimes, every once in a while, but generally not a good idea. 
Don't go historical. Don't pull out the file cabinet and say, I haven't forgotten a thing you've done. That's what that's saying. I haven't forgotten a thing you've done. But no, don't go accusing. Say, I think I'm understanding. Is this the issue? Is this what is bothering you? Is this what is bothering you? Which is my second point. You've got to stay on track with what the conflict was originally about and don't chase rabbits. Stay on track. The conflict was about me feeling rejected. Okay, well, let's stay on that. And let's don't go into all the history when I felt rejected or, or when somebody else got rejected or when you did this or that or the other, which made me reject you. No, stay on track. Stay on track. There's an old saying, if you chase one rabbit, you'll get him. Chase a bunch of them, you won't get any of them. All right? And third is what James said. You gotta be slow to get angry. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow, everybody say slow. Let's do it right, slow. Maybe you've got a trigger temper. Maybe you get easily mad. Maybe once you go, there's no bringing you back. But I want you to listen now about getting angry. Slow, let's remember, means unhurried while still moving forward after considering all the facts. So listen to what the Bible says about being slow to anger. Proverbs 16, 32, he that is slow to anger is greater than the mighty. Did you catch that? He that is slow to anger is greater, is stronger than a mighty warrior. If you can withhold anger, if you can control anger, if you can put a lid on your temper, you are mightier than a mighty warrior. And then he goes on, and he that rules his spirit is mightier than somebody who takes a a city single-handedly. Controlling your spirit, controlling your anger. Here's the Living Bible. It's better to be slow-tempered than famous. It's better to have self-control than to control an entire army. If you can control you and I can control me, we've done better than somebody who controls an entire army. There's a thought. Okay, the Bible says this about our God, the Lord is compassionate, merciful, slow to get angry, and he's filled with unfailing love. Say, but Jeff, it's so hard to not go there. It's so hard to not get mad. I mean, I just get mad, especially when things come at me that aren't true and all this, and I just get mad. So how do I not get angry? Here's how the Bible tells us to not go there. You pray, God, by your Holy Spirit, empower me to remain calm. Listen to the word. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body, and that means your tongue, become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Now here's the key. Instead, instead of going there, Give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Verse 14, sin is no longer your boss. Sin is no longer your boss. You say, well, My temper, I've had my temper all my life. My daddy had a temper. My granddaddy had the temper. It's a generational curse. I don't believe in generational curses. I believe that you're a blood-bought child of God. He has redeemed you. He has filled you with the Spirit. And you are not subject to your former generations 
and your daddy and granddaddy and great-granddaddy, you've got a new daddy. His name is God, and his son is Jesus Christ, and they are the ones who are influencing you, and they want to have control of you. So you don't, you got to tell yourself, I don't have to yield to sin. I don't have to yield to anger. I don't have to go there. Take over, Holy Spirit. Take over. And you will find, he's there. Can we stand together? He's there. You know how I know this is true? I hate to keep referring to I-35. I live in Burleson now, and I have been set free. But I, I came down I-35 all the way here from way north Fort Worth for years, many years, and would always get stuck in that traffic. And there's always that person. You know who that person is. You've talked to them before. They may not have been able to hear you. You were talking in your car, but you've talked to them. And they, they, they... There's, there's this far between you and the car in front of you, and they believe that they can squeeze in. And here they come. And the message is, get out of the way, or we're going to have a connection. So you put on your brakes, and there they go. And something rises up in you. That wasn't fair. That wasn't right. They cramped my style. They got in my way. They should have waited. They pushed me out of the way. They could have hit me. All these emotions. How many times I had to say, Holy Spirit, take over. And when I yielded to him, instant peace. It was like the Spirit said, no big deal. You're going to get there at the same time. Don't let it ruffle you. It's just flesh. But if I didn't yield to God, I did what any of you do. I got mad. And I got in the flesh. So, listen, Jesus called the Holy Spirit the helper. He's there to help you when your emotions go off. So everybody say, be quick to hear. Slow to answer, slower to get angry, and you will defuse conflict. Can we lift our hands? Thank you, Lord. Lord, we're just human beings saved by grace, and Lord, we're weak. We often stumble, especially in words. We stumble in many ways, James said. But Lord, in conflict, and it's attack on our home. It's attack on our relationships. It's attack on us. We need, Lord, to get on top of conflict. So we pray, help us to not just hear this word, but to do this word. Now I want you to say with me, Lord, I give you the conflicts in my life. I pray in Jesus' name, help me to apply this wisdom to defuse the conflict before it breaks the dam. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise today. Amen, amen, amen.